over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were guardians of peace, justice, and the old before the dark times, before the Empire. Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Stolle here for Journal of the Jedi. Uh, I just wanted to come on real quick and give a little intro uh, real quick because we are going to be joined by the guys uh, from we Weeby Geeks or Wookiee Radio, if you prefer, uh, talking about the Clone Wars, the future of Star Wars, and, of course, uh, many other pieces of Star Wars news that have been announcing and, and been rumored throughout the time. So this one's going to be an extra long episode. So I just wanted to come on here real quick, give a quick inter intro, and just let you know what you're in for. Guys, Enjoy the show. Because I'm going to I'm going to grab video since we're actually videoing. Ah. There we go. What is up? Yeah. Welcome to Journal of the Jedi. With me, I'm joined by the three blind mice of Wookiee Radio, or would it be three blind Wookies, or maybe even either way. We, we tend to call ourselves the Smugglers 3, but hey. <laughs> I'm the biggest Ewok you're ever going to find. <laughs> you were before you shaved. <laughs> well, that's coming back. Man, that almost felt like a take away your man card. <laughs> I didn't get rid of all of it. I still had the goatee. Okay. Well, sure I had to let, uh, let the uh, Journal of Jedi listeners know who you are. Mike, we'll start with you. I'm Mike. I'm the, uh, I guess, the ringleader of this whole crazy mess that we call Wookiee Radio. <laughs> Next. I'm Either Ken. <laughs> right? that, that, was, that was a long introduction there. I know. <laughs> I'm the wordy one. <laughs> I guess that would make me Derek then, wouldn't it? He's the pretty one. That's what they say. Or, as my friends like to call me, Derek. Well, which one do you prefer, Derek or Derek? Um, I can go either way. All right, cool. All right, guys. I Those... didn't mean that the way it sounded. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, those familiar with Journal of the Jedi... It really is kind of a mismatched Star Wars show about Star Wars, uh, and then that's what we talk about. Uh, but the reason this particular episode, and I wanted to bring the guys from the Wookiee Radio on, is I had the distinct honor and pleasure of coming on and being on the Wookiee Radio podcast, and we were discussing the Clone Wars. And it led into a very good conversation that unfortunately we just couldn't get into on Wookiee Radio. And I really wanted to dig into it, is what is the future of Star Wars? Would anime? The question was was put out there. Would animation be the best course of action going forward? And I'm going to pose that question right here and now. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I don't think so. No. Okay. Solely, solely animation. I don't. I don't think that's the, the way to go. Well, I I think it's already being proved that it it's not going to go solely animated with everything because we got season two of right, especially with like the Mandalorian and and, and, and it's which and it's our oh, 
Are we gonna start the new rumors on that? Oh, <laughs> on all that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> but I mean, Mandalorian is supposed to go. I mean, it's already slated for three seasons. It's already been approved for season three, and they they were talking going potentially five seasons. We got the Obi Wan series coming. We got casting indoor series coming. And of course, both of those are going to be live action. Mm-hmm. Um, will we been see talks another of spinoffs from Mandalorian? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's already talks of a new um, animated series coming anyway. That may be a, a sequel to Rebels. Well, one of, one of the uh, spinoff rumors I hear, I don't know how true it is, but one of the spin-off, spinoff rumors I hear is the reason they brought Rosario Dawson in as Ahsoka is because they're intending to do a live-action Ahsoka, which I guess would spin off of uh, Mandalorian, if, if, I'm, if I've heard my rumors correctly. Well, and actually, yeah. other rumors, with other rumors that came out today, possibly that could be, because uh, you'd think... Um, the, the big rumor that dropped today was Slash Film supposedly had multiple sources confirmed it, that Katie Sackhoff has been hired to play Bo-Katan in Mandalorian. So right. it's like, that could very easily fit into what we saw um, Ahsoka at, at the end of Rebels, working with Sabine. But also, I hadn't even rem- thought about this, remember, in season one of Rebels, Bo-Katan was the last one we saw with the Darksaber, which we see Moff Gideon has, in the end of Mandalorian season one, yeah, so that's season, that season four that she has that. Oh, that she's season given two. that. Yeah, season well, either four. way, at Sabine, the end, of Rebels, well, Sabine, last... Sabine has it in either two or three, and gives it to Bo in in season four. Yeah, yeah. which actually but... brings your Clone Wars. The end of Clone Wars, where they're talking about the Siege of Mandalore. That's not the final Siege of Mandalore. No, no. Because right. by the time we get to the Mandalorian, the Mandalorians are done. There is no more Mandalore, as far as we can tell. It looks like they're they're a race almost as extinct as the Jedi. Not quite, but almost. And it had, obviously, the end of Clone Wars, we're not there because we have an active Mandalore during um, Rebels at the time of A New Hope. Right. So, yeah, the Siege has to happen sometime after that. Hope and, and Jedi, or well, whenever Mandalor- Mandalorian yeah. place like what two years after after um, Jedi, it's two five three somewhere in there, yeah, three years, yeah, about a, three about a yeah. two year and three. I believe it was three years, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we'll give it a ten. There's a ten year span in there that somewhere in there, the Mandalorian people and culture are totally wiped off the face of the galaxy, just about. Well, I guess I guess let me amend the question then because the the, the 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 animation sequence was based on the fact that uh, although yes I, I I don't discount Mandalorian Mandalorian is a phenomenal show you know God bless John Favreau for teaching you know those at Lucas Arts now that uh, between him and Dave Filoni what Star Wars is supposed to be um, but the question was was totally successful. In animation, obviously, Rebels and the Clone Wars, and Clone Wars Season 7 has absolutely proven that, you know, Star Wars is not dead. Let me rephrase the question, and maybe the Star Wars now belongs. Uh, would you be fair to say that maybe 
maybe they need to stop not concentrate on the big spectacle film because or you know especially with the loss of the ryan johnson and the benioff and weiss things maybe maybe their success is in the streaming service whether it's animation or or serial tv shows well for me i think it's not um it's not the format they're using i think the problem right. we had the actual movies they've had is something we've talked about on Wookiee Radio multiple times. I've said a lot of other places. It's a uh, um, lack of singular vision. Because um, okay. I mean, everybody keeps comparing it to Marvel. And uh, we saw that um, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they tried to put a Marvel model on it. And obviously it didn't work. Lucasfilm does not run the same way Marvel runs. I mean, they they run as... T- somewhat independent underneath the blanket of Disney, but um, Lucasfilm, the one thing that Marvel did do correctly since the beginning of their studio that Disney could take a page from is a singular um, creative influence saying, this is the way you go. This is the through line. Now you can have whatever directors you want underneath. You still need, um, in Marvel, it's the Kevin Feige. This buck stops at him and says, okay, this is what the story is. Now, you can do whatever you want to get to that story as long as you get to the right place at the end. Instead of Disney, or um, not Disney, Lucasfilm put in the story group, which is a great concept, but it ends up becoming making movies by um, committee. And then you give, like, a Ryan Johnson or a J.J. Abrams or carte blanche to do anything they want, and then you have to make everything fit that. So like when yeah, JJ there wasn't any with the sequels. There wasn't any any through line. Exactly. Well, that's it was like a relay race. J.J. Abrams made his movie realize in in his head he was not making any more, so he made the movie the way he wanted. He may have had a general concept of where it was going to go from there, but when it it looks like from the script and stuff that Ryan Johnson stepped in, okay. Well, I don't want to. I'll take this what I want, this what I want. The rest of it, I'm going to throw out and do the movie I want to do. Mm. And then JJ had to come in and try to make it all fit with two totally separate movies that had nothing, that really they had a through line to the general story idea, but they were done in two totally different ways. Well, I think one of the yeah, major then... problems with the sequel trilogy, right? Uh, one of the major problems with the sequel trilogy was there was no consistency, there was no overarching story that no matter what story you tell, right. it's got to reach a point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I think that was one of the major problems that, that, and it's a shame that it happened to the Skywalker saga since that's, you know, whether it's prequels or original trilogy, that's the, that's the story we all as Star Wars fans automatically cling to more than anything else. Yeah. You know, is the gospel is the saga. So with 7, well, 8, and 9, part of the gospel, you kind of screwed up by not having an idea of how you wanted this to actually be. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the only yeah. to be part of episode nine was planned and what part of episode nine was retcon. You know, yeah. that's going to be an argument for ages. Mm-hmm. Well, another one with it is um, the difference we've seen in um, what we've had since The Force Awakens. If you look at it, the um the difference between the movies and the actual um Mandalorian and Clone Wars is the movies were made by guys who were fans of Star Wars and really did what they thought Star Wars should do whereas Mandalorian and um 
Clone Wars had the influence of someone that George Lucas told him this is how Star Wars is done. And George Lucas, everything up to that point, had George Lucas pointing it. So when you and when you get someone like a Dave Filoni in there, you got the next best thing to George Lucas standing there saying, "Do this." I've been saying that since day one. Uh, since, yeah, since that's Disney, different. Since, since Disney bought Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy became the head of Lucasfilm, I have stated that Kathleen Kennedy was Kennedy was a businesswoman, mm-hmm. and she needs to stay on that side of of the the, the mythos of Star Wars and be a businesswoman, and we should have had, from the beginning, a, like you said, the Marvel model, we should have had Dave Filoni overseeing yeah. all canon and story arc of Star Wars. And I now, think... If they don't want to do it, that's fine. But, but at this point in time, if you're going to do it, do it as a team and, and make creative under the, the guidance of Filoni and Favreau. Yeah, yeah. Or that's the thing about the Mandalorian. Go ahead, Derek. The the Mandalorian. um, Ultimately, John Favreau was kind of running the whole show, and and I think that's what the whole, like we're saying, that's what all of Star Wars needs right now is just somebody focusing on everything. And you can have your groups doing the movies or the shows or the cartoons, but you need somebody pulling it all together. I mean, yeah, right. a singular voice, not a whole committee of people saying, okay, right. let's hire these people, let's hire these people, and that it hasn't worked. I mean, right, right now we, we get that with the story itself, with Story Group, that's under the head of Pablo Hildago. Now, of course, he's got other people working with him, so it's not just him. But they're the ones making sure that canon and the storylines are consistent from this, you know, from the day story group was created on. Right. Yeah, but it looks like, but, they're, yeah, they're, he has very limited power, it looks like, the story group in general. Yeah, because... Somebody needed to rein in the films more and keep it all together. Now, even with all this, I've enjoyed, I found something I, or I found that I enjoyed everything we've had re- up to now. There's nothing that I can say is not, I don't like it because it's not Star Wars. It still feels like Star Wars to me. Even The Last Jedi, I enjoy it. We've talked multiple times um, and did our reviews of The Last Jedi. For me, it was not the worst Star Wars film ever. Nope. <laughs> nope. I uh, like the Last Jedi. Yeah, I I like it, all it but did not 30 feel like it fit with what was there. I like all but thirty minutes of Last Jedi. I could done I could have done without the whole entire Canto Bite story arc. Quite honestly, if you cut that out, I think I think Last Jedi would be a perfect movie, damn near perfect movie. And the great thing is, this Canto Bite well, Star Wars. That I mean, it, it may not have fit for that story they were telling. But that is a Star Wars story. <laughs> but it is Star Wars, yeah. I might have cut out the Leia Mary Poppins scene, but you know. Well, <laughs> George <laughs> George did some strange things too. So, and I'm the yes, same, he did. I'm the same way with Rise of Skywalker. My two biggest complaints with Rise of yeah. Skywalker uh, is that it felt like 
it did feel like throwing the emperor into it, even as the main baddie of the of, the, of this sequel too, or this trilogy too. Felt like it was right. just in instead of uh, something that should have been encompassed from the beginning, from Force Awakens, I, yep. some shadow of, of Palpatine. So I felt that was rushed. The other thing, yeah. I was, everything that was there was fine for me, but they should have added an extra hour to this mm. movie because. It did feel like everything was cut together to try to reach that that goal line very quickly. And I, right. I feel some of the personal times and, and the uh, really the, the the punch of the scenes from the way it was edited to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is, very few times has a three-hour movie been successful at anything. Even some of the most success, one of the most successful uh, movie series of all time, where every one of them was over three hours, still had dead. Sp- I mean, it still gets complaints about that now. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, all of those movies are over three hours, and it just—I mean, I love those movies, but it takes forever to watch them. Well, I mean, the books were that way too, but I mean, if yeah. I'm if I'm going to point at a movie that that was over three hours long, that is an absolute masterpiece that nobody who is a fan of this movie, bitches about, I would point to, like, Gone with the Wind. See, I've not seen it. <laughs> but we're talking a different time period, though, too. Yeah, it's a totally different type of film, I mean, too. Oh. Back in the day, going to see Gone with the Wind, I mean, that was the family outing. Right. Because that was still pre-TV. And you, and that, and you got dressed up to go see films like that <laughs> you, you try and Imagine do that. you try and do gone with the wind now or re-release it now in the theaters only ones truly going to it are your film buffs who who absolutely enjoy it other than that most of your movie going audience i mean think about it uh avengers endgame was pushing it for a lot of people yeah well, just mm. think you sit there with that giant bucket of popcorn and you're like 10,000 gallon um, bucket of, or thing of pop and sit there through a three hour movie or a three and a half hour movie. Tell me you're going to sit there the whole time. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think I about it from back in the day, it. if you think about it from back in the day, those types of films like uh, uh, like Mike was saying, um, those types of films were events, but they also did something that, that they used to do for like live theater. And they oh, would yeah the movie for intermission so people could go relinquish that gallons of pop and and uh and, right. pop and come back and not miss anything in the film i think if and we refill it <laughs> and and especially with somebody like uh like uh george lucas would probably appreciate this even though i know he's not involved with the with the franchise anymore if you had made rise of skywalker three and a half hours instead of two and a half hours and you added an intermission, I think George would have really appreciated that because it would have been a callback to what he designed Star Wars to be. Episodic serials, mm. you know, yeah. uh, uh, old-timey style movies, you know, and that, but basically a Western, you know, an epic Western. So I think, I think, I, I still stand by why I say, just add an intermission so people can, like, you know, stretch their legs real quick but still add that hour of, of content in to, to really flesh out the story you're trying to tell, Yeah, I think that would have saved Skywalker from, from a lot of the criticism that it took. Well, yeah. as we're retconning Possibly. changing things, it's like if, we go, if you go back and actually put that singular through line through for the three movies, you don't mm-hmm. need that three-hour last movie. 
True. True. Set it, up, it would have been set up in a totally different way. It would have actually been set up to wrap everything up in knowing where you're going to end at as you're making the seven and eight. Knowing that that's where nine's going to be. So we don't want to add anything new because, or any too much new because we know we got to wrap that up plus everything else. Mm. But, so, I mean, all the, but looking forward, um, if you look at what has come out since then, since Rise of Skywalker, we get um, Mandalorian was before that. But um, if you look at the Mandalorian coming out, Clone Wars season seven, and look at what's coming in the future pe- from here, because we're going back into Mandalorian. Um, it looks like Star Wars is going in the right direction now, hopefully. Um, well, like, now they're still what? announcing stuff seven years before it's going to happen, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the problem with um, announcing everything that early. When a creator or someone leaves the project, it becomes huge news. If you yeah, don't make yeah. an announcement until you're ready to go in front of cameras, then I mean Hollywood doesn't work that way now. But if we don't know about it until yeah, well, they're ready, to start so going, much can change. Exactly. Would all these prime- change? normally happen to all movies doesn't become huge news and big negative because oh 15 people have dropped off of this movie that's normal mm. but usually it's not covered that this far ahead uh-huh. right well i mean well, I guess... go, go ahead i'm sorry i was gonna say let's go prime example benny off and weiss mm. i'm still disappointed at that because i know they were giving us nice to the old public I know, right? Actually, you don't, you don't hire the guys who did Game of Thrones and and, and did you know shows uh, episodes like the Battle of the Bastards and not give them a platform like Old Republic. Yeah, mm. I don't know if that or um, if I remember right, it was with them that it was announced that first time we ever heard the term High Republic. True. I think this whole publishing initiative was um, going to be part of where their movies were at. If their movie was going to tie into this High Republic that we're getting all this publishing stuff with also. I think it was a whole marketing thing together, but when they, theirs fell off, the publishing kept going. And then they made the big announcement that, hey, the High Republic, and then now we know what it is. I think their movies were going to be part of that. It's a good possibility. I mean, I, I'm, also, I'm also really still heartbroken. I know, I know I'll catch backlash from Star Wars fans for this. I'm still heartbroken. We didn't get to take a look at a brand new galaxy in Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Yeah, I, yeah, was, I am I, too. I'm, I yeah. forward to seeing the Star Wars universe beyond the Outer Rim. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I don't know if we need to see there see that yet because there's so much of the galaxy we've not seen the, the in the galaxy we're in. True. If you think with the movies with the um. What, 11 movies we've had, actual for feature-length theatrical films? Uh, I think I agree with Anthony on Wookiee Radio. I'll say 12. we gotta, we got to throw oh, yeah. a flash there. But, um, but if you talk about the, just the saga we have, what we've seen on screen and on TV so far, that's a very, very small amount of one time and area mm-hmm. of the galaxy. Because um, if you look at even just the Skywalker saga, it feels like a very small galaxy because you got a core, maybe what, 30 characters that you follow total over the entire nine film saga over, what is it, 100 years? Right. Give her, give her. It's very small in a galaxy of billions and trillions of people. 
Yeah. I mean that that that's a that's a fair assessment, and I I, I do know like one of the things that people complained about in the sequel trilogy, which I is one of the things I actually disagree with, was uh, the lack of familiar planets. Like uh, I know there was a release of the original script for Episode Nine when it was supposed to be Duel of the Fates, where things were supposed to happen on Coruscant, and people were very disappointed that that we didn't visit Coruscant or. You know, we only got a glimpse of Tatooine. Right. Nine. I'm, to me, I'm the opposite. I was glad we were seeing new worlds. I was glad we were opening yeah. up more possibilities of Star Wars. I gotta agree. Back to Hoth and Endor and, you know, Tatooine and that's it. You know, Yavin 4. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, th- those were those were things that, 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 always, that always sat with me. And, and I'm like I said, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, for all the complaints that I could say about the, the quote-unquote Disney era of Star Wars, they feel like minor to me because I do enjoy the films that have, we have gotten, just like I enjoy the content we have gotten. I think the only thing that we've gotten from the, the quote-unquote Disney era of Star Wars that I absolutely I, I even refuse to consider canon is Resistance. See, but... If you watch, Resistance does fit in there, but it's one of those stories. Remember, this is a galaxy of millions and billions of people. Mm-hmm. That this is just another story that happens that happens to connect to what's going on. It doesn't have any effect on what's going on, but it is another story in this universe. That is a Star yeah, Wars. I didn't. I didn't love Resistance, but I, I still would consider it canon. Yeah, and and also we are not the target audience at all for that show. No, we're not. That's for sure. <laughs> I, here, here's the funny thing. It, I have someone in my household who is the target audience, and it didn't keep her interest. Yeah. Well, th- th- there, there's a topic we could hit. What made Resistance fail? Was it the fact that it was too kiddish? Was it the animation style? Was it the fact that it, it strayed a little too far away from connecting into the main story in some way? Uh, I mean, it's still connected, but just barely. Like what? What, in your opinion, caused that that show to not connect with the audience? I th- I think if it was being meant for kids my daughter's age, which when it came out, she was eight, eight or nine, you know, going seven to eight, eight to nine. Um, I think the issue was the time of day on Sunday it was released. It was released at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, you want your that's your target audience. You want that it middle of the day, like five six o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, kids could watch that in prime time before they or during dinner on, on a Sunday, not after they've gone to bed. Okay, and I think I think for. Those of us who are the older audience, it was a little too goofy at times, a little too kid oriented. Yeah. I think they leave too. Go ahead, Derek. You can still, you can have a kid show and not not have it be too. uh, The only word I could think of is goofy. There were sometimes it was just a little straight, a little too goofy. That that's where I am. I mean, if I had the two complaints about Resistance, it was the uh, animation style. It felt too uh, flash. It was too much cartoon. 
you know, a little too flash player-ish, like something you would see in, in a in a mm. in a phone game type animation. Um, and and the fact that it was a little too childish with with its with its humor. Uh, that's, especially mm. that that green face character, I can't remember his name. Nico. Nico. Yeah. Nico rubbed me the wrong way every episode. See, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. I think another thing that actually went towards this was I think by them putting it on at 10 o'clock at night, they were leaning a lot farther into DVRing and um, people or kids watching it streaming. They're like, oh, the, it, the target audience will catch it streaming or on replays. It's like, that, but the thing is, you're measuring metrics on the first play. Mm, all right. Yeah. And also, the problem is, when you're putting it on at 10 o'clock at night, if I remember this start, um, when were they running these seasons? Do you remember, was it in the spring or fall? Uh, fall. First one was fall. Yeah. Well, you got to think, you're fall running at 10 through the winter. Early, you're going early. To, huh? But, well, in the fall, on a Sunday night at 10, you're running it against Sunday night football. And you're, the, um, <laughs> the adult, if you don't catch those adults quick, they're going to watch football and watch it and maybe come back to Star Wars later. And kids, uh, yes, watch it at anytime you put it on, but most of the kids are um, going to bed to go to school the next day. Season one started October 7th, 2018. Okay. So you got your Sunday night and it's but one think... running. So everybody's watching that one game. Season two, October 6th, 2019. I think when it was less, when there were the times when it was less goofy, it was actually kind of decent. Yeah. They did some good stuff in there, but... Yeah, I, I think I, went farther with it. I, I liked the episode. I did like the episodes with it where uh, they stepped off that platform. Like, uh, mm. what popped into my head where Poe uh, po picked, uh, picked up Casuto and uh, they decided to go uh, check into a First Order uh, uh, asteroid uh, base that was supposed to be a... Yeah, yeah that was a good one. On, yeah, uh, that, that was the base. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was the start of the Bad Batch series. Yeah, the episodes like that I really liked were actually connected to what we're supposed to be seeing in this in this series. The episodes I hated were was just was just the daily life of racing platform that really, as a Star Wars fan, I didn't care about. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It had it had no bearing to, and I, I think I think part of its fault is, is me, yes, because like like Ken was saying, it, it was another story in the Star Wars universe. But as much as that's my fault for for not embracing what it was, I think it was a failure on on Disney uh, Disney Channel. That was that was the station it was on the Disney Channel, right? Uh, Disney XD. XD. No, 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 Which Rebel. Disney. No, you're right, Disney Channel. Yeah. Uh, it was Disney Channel. This was XD also. Yeah, it was Disney Channel. But uh, their failure was the fact that you placed this show in the one space that all Star Wars fans are wanting more information from, and that's the years between Jedi and Force Awakens. Right. I wouldn't yeah. even say it's in that space. I would say because this happens like weeks before the Force Awakens, so they really this is a lead up to Force Awakens. It's not a, fill, a gap filler. And that's what everybody, I think, was looking for, was something to, in the middle there that's going to say what's going on. This, 
basically, what these yeah, that's what I was looking for. Well, I think uh, that's what I'm saying. I think that was part of its failure as well, is that a lot of fans, myself included, and Derek, as he as he admitted, I think we were looking for, for it to be more than what they were looking to make it be. Yeah, right. Is we wanted to get more lore of the 30 years between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. That's because they had set us up for that. By watch, If you watch Clone Wars and Rebels, you're expecting that level of storytelling, yeah. <laughs> and this was not designed to do that. <laughs> and I'm still it, waiting it, for it that to find out more. We were getting. <laughs> I mean, By, we get glimpses in books. built it and all this. <laughs> I mean, we get glimpses in books and some comics and all that, which is great. But I mean, I really want the story, and I want to watch the story. I want to. I want to feel the story. Right. In the story, you know, I want. Give me, give me Luke training Leia. Make it a cartoon. I know you can't get Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and, and time frame them back like that small scene you did in, in Rise of Skywalker, but you can do that with animation. Mm-hmm. Give yeah. me that story. You know what I mean? <laughs> Give me the story of the yeah. downfall of Ben Solo's uh, Turn of the Dark Side. You know? Um, the, yes. Give me those stories. I want to see them. Yeah. You know what's another idea is taking that idea of Luke. Now, we know after Return of the Jedi, at some point, he because in order to train Jedi, he's got to get more information. So you know he's out there searching for Jedi texts and all the inf- I give me a um Mike is all about um an Afro story, but take the idea of your Afro story with an <laughs> Indiana Jones type character, but make that Luke looking for yeah. the secrets of the Jedi. I'd be down Wait, with that. Uh, that would Place be awesome. for the Jedi. Especially since I don't like Afro, I'd be absolutely down for that. <laughs> well, who, who's who's to say after returning the Jedi, uh, assuming Afra survives, because we don't know how far she she survives, because all we know she goes she has survived the events, she has survived through the events of Empire Strikes Back, because the new series picks up after Empire Strikes Back, like everything else in the Star Wars comics. Right. Uh, Star Wars Invader takes place after the events of Empire. Um, if she survives everything through the events of Return of the Jedi, then maybe that would be a great animated series or a great live action where maybe we do get a Mark Hamill, even though he says he's hung up his lightsaber. Um, who's to say he doesn't provide the voice talent for for a CG hologram look of him as, as the two of them are scouring the galaxy for for these lost texts you bring up a very good point if they if they were to do an animated series or something where Luke made an appearance I I, I just had a James Earl Jones moment like who else could you get to voice Luke other than Mark Hamill like there's you, pl- like even the guy I know not every rendition of Darth Vader has been James Earl Jones, but I could tell the difference. Like in the in the like the uh, mm. Force uh, video games, for example, that's not James Earl Jones doing Vader's voice. And although it wasn't bad, I knew it wasn't. You know, so could right. could anybody even really pull off a rendition of Luke Skywalker being a Force flashback or a, 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 a uh, uh, an animated movie uh, cartoon? dealing with Luke after Return of the Jedi and not be 
voiced by Mark Hamill. I don't think that would be a problem. Go back to the Clone Wars. When you first saw the Clone Wars movie, and you hear Anakin and Obi-Wan and Mace Windu and Yoda, that's not the voices you've ever heard. Well, it, did, it didn't, it didn't take long to drop in and say, okay, that still, it, that still sounds like these characters now. Well, Mace you Windu, get past that pretty quick not, if it's done correctly. That's not fair. Mace Windu was, uh, was uh, voiced by uh, Samuel L. Jackson in the Clone Wars. Just in the movie, not in the series. The series, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but all the rest of the characters were brand new voices. Right. Including True. Tom Kane's Yoda. Tom Kane's Yoda is amazing. It's not what Frank Oz did with Yoda. But it's still amazing. No, it was amazing, but I, I think if, if I'm going to sing the praises of anybody who did, like, spot-on interpretations of, of uh, live-action characters that we knew, like, first off, you got to give it to Sam Wittner, not even for, for Maul. Maul was great, but his um, uh, Emperor impersonation was oh, yeah. hot. And then, of course, if we're going to sing praises to anybody, it's James Arnold Taylor and his Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah, but if you listen to it, it's not, he's not, um, he used Ewan McGregor and mixed it with um, some Alec Guinness and some other things, but that's what I'm saying. There are some of the voice talent out there that are mimics, that are already mimicking, there's there's probably three or four guys out there that already do Mark Hamill when Mark can't do something, and they oh. sound exactly like him. Um, James Arnold Taylor, have you ever heard him do... Um, uh, uh, Michael J. Fox or David Spade or any, they, he sound he um he doubles um even guys like um oh Jack Sparrow um Johnny Depp Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp Johnny Depp when Johnny Depp can't do ADR he'll come in and you'll see Johnny Depp on screen and think you're hearing him no you're hearing James really <laughs> Jay Baruchel he um James has done just about as much of um, the dragon stuff as Jay Baruchel has. And you can't tell the difference. Hmm. There, are, there are mimics out there that can that sound exactly like the original. Or it's so close that your ear can't tell the difference. So yeah, if you can't get... Uh, um, I, I almost don't want someone that's going to sound just like the original characters. Let them have a... Take the character, the, the character that's in the voice and give it their own little bit of a spin to it, but still keep it in that character. That's where a good voice director comes in. Mm. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's let's change directions here a little bit. Like we were, we touched on it a little bit in the beginning here. We were talking about uh, some of the uh, rumors and, and speculations that were coming out. Like obviously, we were talking about like Bo-Katan and and all. Uh, I wanted to touch base on this one. I cannot remember the actor's real name, so forgive me, fans. But Django Fett uh, being cast into Mandalorian. Uh, of course, the rumor is that he's going to be Boba Fett, but now T there's Tiamu Morrison. Yeah, Tiamu Morrison. Yeah, Tempura Chicken. And <laughs> now rumors having that maybe it won't be Boba Fett; it will be Rex. I wanted to get your guys' take on it. Do you think? Well, Boba actually, Fett, or do you think completely different? I've also read that he's playing two parts, so he could actually be playing both a little. Allegedly. Well, yeah. we know pretty much Rex made it to um, Return of the Jedi. And he's a really old guy. Because mm -hmm. it's been, I mean, it's retcon now, but it's basically, he we know he was on um, Endor. Right. Okay. 
And this is only three to five years after that. As long as saying he survived Endor, that would not be out of the possibility. And uh, with his relationship with Ahsoka already, if we have Ahsoka on the series, it makes sense that if she's got a crew, not just her, if she's got other people with her, Rex would most definitely work be working with her probably still. Okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take this stance. This is all speculation. Yeah. This is this is all rumor. Nothing in this is official. There any time you know, all the stories that broke today about Katie Sakoff reprising Bo Katan live action. All the sources, all all the like slash films, they quoted many sources of say this. Those many sources are still only quoting speculation from fil- uh, slash film. Yeah, there is no confirmation from Lucasfilm or Sakoff's management team. Same thing with Rosario Darson. She had said she would love to do it, but nothing has. No one has officially said she is doing it. Actually, isn't that isn't that actually was confirmed? No, I thought she still has denied it. Because even Collider and uh, uh, Schmoes Knows Network has been uh, has been stating that they usually do not run with rumors. Yeah, that's why the, even like slash film, slash film usually that's the, the only rumors I usually talk about are the ones that are from or places that are about ninety percent on um, accuracy. Right. There's plenty of sites I won't run with the rumors on at all because they just they sniff something and they'll print anything they want. <laughs> but usually, slash film's pretty accurate. I mean, yes, it's still a rumor and it could and stuff could change because they're in post production now. But well, the, the thing is, is like, even even with rumors, like sometimes, like for myself, because uh, I run so many different podcasts and do things uh, that that have conversations about media in general. When it's rumor, I try to make sure that people understand right off the bat it, it's rumor. This is not mm-hmm. – it's fun to discuss, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But, I right. mean, I won't go out of my way to, to even placate something that was, like, released by you've got this covered.com. You yeah. know, they're, they're totally full of shit. You know what I mean? And right. because of that factor, I don't want that associated with my shows. But, I mean, like, if, if something like Slash Films or or – uh, or or uh, comicbook.com <clears throat> just for example nine times out of ten I could take it as almost gospel but until I hear from starwarsnews.net starwars.com lucasfilm limited or usually if I start seeing it on podcasts like John Campia uh, Collider or Schmoes No Network that's when it's like okay this this has legitimacy behind it yeah. Well, actually, well, what's interesting, well, a lot of times you'll get um, the confirmations out of nowhere in, in a lot of the trade one, trade publications. The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, um, Deadline. True. Very true. Which is funny because the geeks aren't always reading those ones. <laughs> I, I thought Mike was uh, getting ready to look up the sea, so I imagine he's ready to report. Well, yeah. See, everything I'm still. S- Seeing there is no confirmation from her. The closest you get is um, Rosario Dawson tweeted, Tell them hashtag Ahsoka lives. 
and that was January 12th of 2020. Well, who, who's to say that doesn't have anything to, I mean, that's pre, okay, maybe that's around the time they were doing some filming, I don't remember, of Mandalorian. No, they, they wrapped at the end of February, so she would have actually been uh, filming. She would have already, but who, who's to say it's not because she, she saw the same trailers as everyone else for Clone Wars Season 2. Yes, but also on the other hand, look at uh, look at Ewan McGregor, who for a long time couldn't admit that he was that he was doing Obi Wan again. Yeah, because he well, had yep. to he had to oh. keep it a secret. Yeah, right. Well, one of the uh, one of the tells though I think is also that um, if it was not happening at all, she'd been all over the everybody would have been all over. No, this is not happening. Usually, if they're if they're radio silence, means they can't say anything one way or the other. So something is happening somewhere. That's that's Even right. They're just talking. There's something going on. Because if right. there nothing, if she was not at all involved in anything, she would just say straight up, "No, I'm not doing it." But it could be something entirely different than than what everybody's suspecting. Exactly. Okay. It may not be um, Ahsoka, but she's involved somehow in the process. Well, continuing on, um, Variety After Show had her on uh, Aprilish. Right. And you know, they asked her about it. Um, and they said, you know, the the story says she's tight lipped on joining the Disney Plus series. They'll credited fans for feeling the momentum. Fueling the momentum of her casting That's not confirmed yet But when it happens I'll be very happy And I'll be I'm very excited for that To be confirmed at some point She added um, Adding It would be A one A million and one percent Because of the fans Still doesn't mean I mean And even with that She's still not necessarily confirming But she's not denying yeah. either but she's, but not, she's not Yeah, she's not denying it. One, yeah. one and Variety would not have asked the question if they didn't have... Um, being Variety and who they are would not have asked the question if they didn't know 100% that this is going to happen. Right. Yeah, what but the, we're talking a, a month after, month, month and a half after yeah. the supposed announcement that she was doing it. Well, they're, you got to remember... And they're probably huh? trying to keep... They're probably trying to keep uh, quiet and... and, and protected what she's going to look like and what she's going to sound like as Ahsoka probably for storyline reasons. Yeah. We made Ahsoka that nobody uh, was expecting to see. Somebody who's like really beat, beat up and not as clean, fresh face as we saw at the end of Rebels, for example. You know what I mean? Um, so mm-hmm. they may be trying to protect that that surprise in the show. Yeah. Um, well, then- with that being said, one of the things that lands me so hard with her, like I'm not confirming this, but I'm not, but the not denying either, is turning around saying, "Well, I can't confirm this yet, but when I can confirm this, it will be completely for the fans." Yeah. How would you say that if it isn't already, if you aren't actually confirming? That and one of the reasons she can't confirm it is because she's got the Disney assassins and uh, bomb in her neck like in Suicide Squad, that with the, their finger on the button because <laughs> the marketing team. Is the only one allowed to reveal it? 
It's yeah. up to them when they decide to rene reveal reveal this. And Mike, you know the size of the um, marketing team and the Suicide Squads from Disney. Uh, what what they can do. Oh yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. once you sign that paper, that you they own your life and everything that comes out of your mouth until they don't. When I get an email from imagine from a Disney Imagineer saying, "Hey, I really like your Marvel podcast," you first get that. Oh, that's cool. Next, next thought in head. Oh shit! There goes the uh -oh. show. <laughs> I was about to say now, line. Uh, but we got discussed that last episode where you speculated about this, that, and the other. And uh, yeah, you're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, that's, now that's I want to go. I'll go. I'll go a different direction. That some people might not agree with on a whole different topic here. And I'll say that I, I for one, good. <laughs> I for one, I for one do not want to see Boba Fett in The Mandalorian. 100%. I don't 100% agree. Boba Fett died in, in the uh, Sarlacc pit. Mm -hmm. Leave him alone. I I'm sorry. We don't need Boba Fett, and, and I think it'll just get in the way having him in there. I, I think that would be 120,000% fan service to bring Boba Fett in, into anything. Oh, yeah. Boba well, totally. He was a rated character. He had five, li five lines in the movie. One of them was, ah! And he got beat <laughs> by a blind guy with a... <laughs> He's not that great. Let him go. If you want to bring yeah, him back, clone yeah. Django. Like, and I, I, but I know the clones were all Django's, but I mean, give me a new Django Fett. Because at least yeah. Django... I think <laughs> Boba Fett was cool when he was the only one, but now that we have more Mandalorians, who needs Boba Fett? Well, that's the thing. When you really break it down, since they brought us the real Mandalorians, Boba Fett was a wannabe. He was a poser. Yeah. He was Mandalorian. I mean, Jango that's not what the modern Mandalorians are. Yeah. Even Django wasn't a Mandalorian. He was a bounty hunter in Mandalorian armor. Mm. He wasn't from Mandalore. I don't think. I mean, my no. That's according to George Lucas. That was his idea the whole time. That Django was. Uh, he liked to think of it as Django was just a guy who found the armor. Yeah, that's that's what I thought I I, I heard before. So even Django's not a Mandalorian. It, 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 I guess Django and Boba. It, well, Boba doesn't know any better because it's how he was raised. But Django is uh, the Star Wars equivalent of stolen valor. Pretty he much. found the armor, he, he took it, and then claimed he was mm -hmm. Mandalorian. But you get, if you look at it from the other way to where we get to in the Mandalorian series, he may not have been... Um, we've talked about this multiple times, talking about the Mandalorian series, how um, Django may not have been genetically a um, Mandalorian. But that doesn't mean he wasn't Mandalorian by the current definition, where Mandalorian is almost True. more like a religion than a race. True, they they right. have a race of people from Mandalore. So he may have lived his life by the creed of whatever the old warrior ways of the Mandalorians and not actually racially and genetically been Mandalorian. Mm. We don't know because we only see Django for, um, what, maybe two hours of his entire life? Well, to be fair, <laughs> it's pretty telltale that he didn't even follow the, 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 the ideals of the Mandalorians. Look at him, look at when Obi-Wan met him at the apartment and his armor's skewed in the closet somewhere 
he's just yeah. walking around in a blue shirt. And we all know for Mandalorians, like, your armor's your life. You know what I mean? Well, Even that's where it's when we see it. That's where it's like when we see it in the series. If you watch any of the Mandalorian stuff we see before that, um, back clo- which mainly is Clone Wars and Rebels. Right. But if you look at any of that, None of those um, edicts in way in the warriors' ways, and this is the way. None of that was created yet. Either that, or it was a totally different offshoot. Right. Is we're dealing with in Mandalorian. Maybe that was um, where Death Watch started. Was with what these guys are feeling, and be, eventually became Death Watch. You oh, know, maybe yeah. they, well, we don't know. I would have gone. I would have gone the other way. I think. I think the modern Mandalorian and the ideals of the Mandalorian. This is the way, and everything else. I would almost say was born more from the philosophies and ideologies of Death Watch than the original Mandalores. It's possible. That's possible also. Like I said, we don't know enough. Um, what we do know about Mandalorian culture as a people and as the planet Mandalore is what we see in Clone Wars and Rebels. Right. And we know they were trying to get rid of their warriors' ways, but we have no idea what those ways were. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to become pacifists because... Um, uh, Duchess Satine wanted to bring in the pacifism and bring peace to the um, to their empire, or whatever they. I forget what, what the way they called it, but you understand. You know what I'm saying. She was trying to bring peace to her people, which they had always been warlike. So it's like, but we don't know anything about what drove that. No, but that's where Death Watch came from because we saw the start of Death Watch in Clone Wars during her, because that's what brought Obi Wan to. To Mandalore, back to Mandalore was mm-hmm. creation of Death Watch. Exactly, and that, that's what I mean. Like when I when I when I rewatched uh, Clone Wars and, and stuff, and and was brought back to the to the ideals of Death Watch, and then I watched the Mandalore, I get more of that type of similarity. I think yeah. I think the modern day Mandalorian is based more on the ideals of the ancient. Uh, well, I guess at that point, ancient Death Watch. <laughs> ideals yeah well it makes you wonder too i mean okay knights of the old republic was not canon or is not canon but you had the the mandalorian war during that okay who who's to say that the mandalorian war um isn't um wasn't a religion thing "Quote unquote," like the Jedi were considered, and then they went and created the planet of Mandalore to be the homeworld for for this religion. Um, and then from there, it, it became okay. It's not just a religion; it's now a race of people. And then after the this. We see the initial siege of Mandalore during um, the final arc of Clone Wars. And then we know with the Empire, they're not quite done. And there is that one last siege in which Gideon's there. Because there's no way right now with what we saw in Clone Wars that Gideon was in that in that situation. If he was, he wasn't a moth yet. If he was, yeah, definitely not. He, he was not your typical person in the in the clone army. Well, yeah, that um, or he could have just been a naval officer. Well, no, because um, everybody that went to the Mandalorian system 
Well, no, because there was multiple Star Destroyers, remember? There were multiple cruisers. So he could have been right. a, a, just a naval officer yeah. on one of the cruisers. Because we have sure. seen in the wars that there were other, they were just regular enlisted and officers that were not clones. Your rank and file troopers were all clones. True. And, and many of the officers and the bridge officers and things and the ships were clones also, but there were regular just rank and file crew that had, been, that had enlisted in the army or in mm. the Navy. So right. he could have been on one of those, maybe a lieutenant or a commander, and have worked his way up through once it became the Empire and just kept working his way up till he comes him off. True. I mean, it, 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 either way, it raises a great question. Of, of I, I definitely want to know more about Moff Gideon and his backstory, whether he was, uh, like you said, oh, yeah. uh, an, an, a, a scripted officer on the Republic cruiser during the Clone Wars or, you know, an up-and-coming officer in the Imperial Navy during during the time of the empire, the rise of the empire, or if he was just maybe like a, a planet influencer who fought his way into power through the, through the, uh, Imperial, you know, corruption scheme. Either way, I think it would be a fascinating story, backstory to find out more about this character. And then once you learn all that, learn how he weaseled or found or got his way to the dark Satan. Actually, it's like he's the new Thrawn. Yeah, you read, you raise a good point there. If you read the backstory of um, like a um, Tarkin, Tarkin was a planetary was a governor more than he was a military man. But we've seen it that in the Empire and then other from the books and comics and things like that that a lot of the higher ups and the people on the um, admirals could be bought into. Moffs definitely is a position that being granted to you by if you're high enough up in the empire doing other things. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Even it, um, um, oh, and Tarkin kind of proved too. If you read Tarkin, Tarkin kind of proved too that you don't. And 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 Rogue One taught, showed it too. That's uh, where I'm that, going. Is that Tarkin? You didn't even have to be particularly special within the empire to to gain those statuses. Tarkin was just really good at stealing other people's ideas and bullshitting his way up. I mean, he was, he was Tarkin was a badass, but like the Death Star, for example, we all know that was Krennic. Yeah, we all know you remember, but it was Tarkin Krennic. who took the credit. Yeah, Krennic, well, you gotta remember, Krennic actually had a military rank, even though all he was was a um, scientific advisor, mm -hmm. but he had a military rank. He was but, never in the military at all. He was just in charge of the Death Star project, so they gave him a rank so he could actually tell the troops what to do. Right, right. You learned that, that in Catalyst, if I remember right. So it, it works out it works out perfectly that somebody like Gideon, maybe Gideon's not a badass. He's just really good at telling people what they need to hear to further his own position. But then if you're me. giving death troopers, you can do a lot. Yeah, death troopers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it would be that's one of the stories I think from Mandalorian that I'm really looking forward to to digging into is more into the character, the unknown characters, particularly. Oh yeah. I think we'll get that in books and comics after they um, once they're allowed to start writing stuff and expanding out the backstory of the. I don't know how. I mean, we're gonna get some of um, Gideon's backstory. But only as much as we need to actually fill out the story of the Mandalorian and the child. Which, by the way, for yeah. people that are listening, 
no, it is not Yoda. No, it is not Yoda reincarnated. It is just one of Yoda's species. The end. It could be Yoda clone. It could be a Yoda clone. We we even talked about that on the show. We 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 broke down the timeline. That Why? clone. Why would you clone Yoda? Who would clone Yoda? Ah, well. <laughs> go listen to the Count Dooku lost uh, Jedi lost audiobook. <laughs> it was quite possibly Dooku, not Sifo-Dyas, that created the clone army, and he just used Sifo-Dyas's name to, to conceal to conceal the fact that he did it because mm-hmm. Sifo-Dyas was going nuts. Yeah. I, I've always figured that. I always figured that it was uh, Dooku because how else would he pass himself off as, as Sifo-Dyas to the, uh, to the Keonosians, uh, Geonosians, rather. Or no, uh, shit. Uh, Kaminoids. Kaminoids. The Camino, that words, um, the people of Camino, to to make them believe that he was Cybodius if he hadn't played the role from the beginning. I, I've yeah. always said that. Well, it's like, and you ask why clone Yoda? You got to think of the way the we we talked about this a little bit on our show too when you were there that about um, what is. The, uh, what are the difference between the Jedi and the Sith? The Sith are always looking for power, more power. Uh, um, the Sith Master is always looking for the next apprentice, not just the guy he has, because he knows eventually he's going to have to kill his apprentice and move on to the next one. So why not, knowing Yoda's nine, almost 900 years old and how powerful of a Jedi he is, imagine if you had him working under you. Mm-hmm. And if you already have cloning technology, well, if I clone him, He'll have all the force abilities and stuff, and I'll get to mold him into whatever I want him to be. Well, the the other the other catch is too to see if what material do they want for the clones. Well, who's who's got access to Yoda and Yoda's genetic material to possibly create a clone? Dooku, because Dooku was Yoda's apprentice. He was his padawan. So he could very easily had material stashed away somewhere with the thought, well, maybe we could create a new Jedi army and use Yoda as part of it. Let's see how a cloning process could be. Because at the time, Yoda was the greatest Jedi there was. Okay, I'll take this a step farther. So when the Kaminans could not clone in a, in a timely manner, the Jedi DNA, then they went with the next material that could be accelerated. Yeah. Well, I got I got one to step one even farther. Everybody get out your tinfoil hats. Because I guarantee you this is wrong. But <laughs> go to episode nine. What is Palpatine doing there? What has he been sitting on Exegol doing? Building a Sith army. Of clones. Now, if you take the strongest Jedi of all time clone him a couple million times now you have a clone army of Sith soldiers of the possibly the highest force combat ever See that, you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of going where I was going uh, I was, I was an army of, of Sith Yodas uh, <laughs> on film that, that we've seen thus far on film and I, I you, you kind of had me with the Dooku thing up until getting the genetic material because what does Dooku have that would, that would have Yoda's DNA on it well Nothing. he lived with Yoda for years 
true, but on, he, he was the Padawan. On the op, <laughs> on the opposite end of the coin, I started thinking about it. It's like, well, going off of uh, what Ken said here, Palpatine would probably be more likely to do it because one, he does play with with clones, like like we said, clone in the, uh, the Sith Order and stuff like that. But also the fact that he would have access from his uh, Senate battle with Yoda at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yoda dropped his lightsaber. His genetic material would be right there. Possibly. Yeah. But like I said, Palpatine is always a master manipulator behind the scenes. I, that, Especially since you got to think, um, we find out in Episode 9, now this one they did know about when they're making Mandalorian. Now the Mandalorian, they're looking for the child, and, you, and um, the client is working for the Empire still. That is all 100% that he's where he's an imperial governor or something for that region. Right. We know that behind the scenes, Palpatine is still pulling all the strings. Right. I This is starting to come together. I think this this may actually be what that the whole thing with the child is, was Palpatine was pulling the strings. He wanted to clone Yoda. He had a clone. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure he could do it and then clone because when they're making the Mandalorian, they episode nine was already going. All right. So, of episode nine, this may actually tie into there. I would not be surprised if it does tie into the idea that Palpatine wanted to build a clone army of Sith um, stormtroopers and Sith train an entire army trained in the ways of the Sith. The dark, the, the dark Jedi. Which, yeah. which, right, let me let me jump down this rabbit hole a little further with you guys. Then, what do you think? Then maybe down the line we'll see other Jedi Council members cloned. Or, or at least failed attempts of, will we see like a uh, Ellen Ripley version of Mace Windu in a jar somewhere at some point? <laughs> nah. No, because <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> if you do it more than once, it it becomes predictable. If this is yeah, a one-off see. thing, this first time you do it, then you surprise people. Yeah, but the thing with mace though was the emperor threw him out the window true but i'm not i was doing that more <laughs> it sense. i mean like you have, you have like technically i guess his hand's still there mace's hand is still there you know yeah getting lopped it off right there <laughs> so no this is the first time i've actually come up with this line of thought here but the, dude that actually it's all starting to make sense a little bit it's making sense, but I will I will go on disclaimer. This is tinfoil hat territory. Yeah, this. Are we saying in, in any way, shape, or form that this is canon? We don't even know if we're even close, so we're probably far off the mark. But <laughs> we, do, if this does hit close to the mark. I'm with the royalty checks. Yeah, right. I, I'm, I'm Either more, that, or we'll never hear from you again. Yeah, one or the other. Remember us those Disney assassins. <laughs> I, I more imagine <laughs> what happened to Ken. I don't know. Just <laughs> hey, that was a better idea than what we had. <laughs> no, but uh, that, but I guess I guess the best way to end this episode would be to uh, to hit on the one final piece of to- uh, of conversation that's a bit of a controversy, and it, it's kind of fitting since we're talking about the baby, and that's the release of the Black Figure series, Baby Yoda, the, the baby. A lot of people are having issues with the fact that the thing is about the size of a Lego figurine. That is on scale for Black Series. It, yeah. it should be that. 
that, that's what I'm figuring too. But I wanted to get your guys' impression. Do you think that it's fair that they're charging the typical black figure price of twenty dollars for? They're not. They're Unless not. I they're charging they're fifteen bucks. Ten, ten, all right, ten, fifteen dollars. But still, for for something that's the same size, if not smaller, than than your average Yoda figurine for the normal run series. I think it's fine if you got the pork set. The pork set was like six bucks, and it was two tiny itty bitty birds. Well, so the, this is the on pork, sale. The pork set on sale went for six bucks. Most yeah. of the time, it was it was eight to ten dollars as well. Okay, I know I bought like eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> A regular Black Series figure at twenty dollars. The Yoda is just under half that size, and you're paying half the price at ten bucks. Yeah, I, I think you're fine. And he comes with great accessories. Yeah. What does he come with? I, I haven't actually seen like the bo- full full collection of, in the box itself. I've only seen like I, 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 I believe he comes with a frog. Um, you looking it up, Mike? Yeah. Uh, last place I saw that had it was uh, GameStop has it. Did uh, did they? Release him with the uh, with the baby carriage. No. No. That, I think that might have offset the difference if you would have had the actual quote unquote floating baby carriage. But not in the black series. And um, they made a series of um, six or eight figurines. It's of- the bounty collection. Yeah. Yeah, it, and they're selling them in a two pack for fifteen bucks for. And there is one in the uh, baby carriage. There's one. Looks like he's almost swaddled up, like he, the Mandalorian would be carrying him around. There's one with him eating the frog with the head straight up in the air. They are cute. Mm. <laughs> it's like fifteen bucks for a two pack. Yeah. Nice. Have those come out? Yes. GameStop has. Get those. I noticed the other day. Best I want to get those. Well. Well, guys, we've reached that part of the show where we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to our audience here. But before we do, I want to thank my guest, Wookie Radio, and I want to give them the opportunity and the spotlight to tell you guys where you can find these shows and where you can get in contact with them. So that way you guys can definitely jump on board and hear their show. It's a phenomenal show, and I don't just say that because they were nice enough to let me be on it once. They actually do. He lies on his show. He lies on his show, too. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very, very entertaining show. It's a great cast of characters. They have some great guests, and they do have some solid topics. You guys will definitely want to check them out. So take it away, guys. Uh, the floor is yours. Go ahead, Mike. All right. Uh, you, can, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Wookie Radio. Email us at Wookie at WookieRadio.net. Uh, website is... Uh, WookieRadio.net. <laughs> Do you want all of our personal stuff too for other shows and things? Sure, if, if you want to uh, let people know where they can contact you or maybe other podcasters that might like to collaborate like you and I are doing right now. Absolutely. So Mike, run down yours then we can run down ours. <laughs> uh, other shows um, on Twitter at WeebyGeeks at MightyMarvelGeeks Instagram at WeebyGeeks at MightyMarvelGeeks um and then take each show.net for the websites. <laughs> right you got 
Okay, you can find me on um, Wiki Radio, obviously, but also um, my actual home base is GeekWatch1. We call, it's myself, my wife, and um, our partners, another uh, married couple, and we sit there and talk geek for about an hour and a half once a week. You can find it at geekwatch1.com. All social media, it's geekwatch1 or geekwatch1 at gmail.com. Yo. Derek? Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at nesofgeek. Uh you can follow my New England Society of Geek podcast at NESOG podcast and uh, my Keepers of the Fringe podcast is at KOTFR and uh, that, that's all on Twitter and on Instagram you can you can find me at NESOG pod uh, keepers of the fringe, and if you want to have some fun, check out my Instagram Newman Watches, <laughs> which is all about my cat trying to kill me. Watches, I to remember that. Hey, Derek, how many times has he, has he succeeded? Uh. None yet. Okay. <laughs> not for lack of trying, though. You mean you're not like Kenny on South Park? Come oh, back for the next week. Palpatine live with Yeah. Good. And of course, guys, thank you very much for joining us here at Journal of the Jedi. If you enjoyed this video in any capacity, hit that thumbs up button, like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts of Rebel to Miss Entertainment. And go over to our sister channel, uh, sister, uh, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop and video game needs. And if you prefer your podcast in audio-only format, we got you covered. Check out Rebel to Miss Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Again, guys, thank you very much for joining me. This has been an absolute blast. I think we got absolutely nothing accomplished, but it was fun getting there. (laughs) That's what it's all about. That's right. (laughs) And guys, as always, council adjourned. See you later. Oh, Judah.